Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you. Another Friday evening, reflecting into the Gospel for Sunday. This Sunday, this 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time, we have the opportunity to take up oh, one of our Lord's great parables, the parable of the sower. And as I have been doing of late, I have Debbie uh, Rizal joining me, parishioner over at St. John the Baptist Catholic Church and Catechist for the RCA program, the Religious Education Program over there. Debbie, it is great to have you with me another Friday evening. Thank you, Joe. Debbie, this is a, a rich, rich gospel. So without further ado, let us just jump into the gospel. I know there's a good amount of verses there as well, so we can really have the time we need to reflect upon the importance of our Lord's words for this 15th Sunday in Ordinary Time. I'll be reading today from Matthew 13, 1 through 23. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood along the shore. And he spoke to them at length in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, where it had little soil. It sprang up at once, because the soil was not deep, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and it withered for lack of roots. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. But some seed fell on rich soil and produced fruit, a hundred or sixty or thirty-fold, Whoever has ears ought to hear. The disciples approached him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? He said to them in reply, Because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. To anyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. From anyone who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because they look but do not see, and hear but do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You shall indeed hear but not understand. You shall indeed look but never see. Gross is the heart of this people. They will hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and be converted, and I will heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Amen, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. The seed 
sown on the path is the one who hears the word of the kingdom without understanding it. And the evil one comes and steals away what was sown in his heart. The seed sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and receives it at once with joy. But he has no root and lasts only for a time. When some tribulation or persecution comes because of the word, he immediately falls away. The seed sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word, and it bears no fruit. But the seed sown on rich soil is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. Amen. Thanks, Deb. So maybe by way of point of departure, the best way to start our discussion is to go back into verse 11. I was praying over this text, and verse 11 was the one verse that just kind of stood out to me. And that was the verse, Debbie, that spoke to that, you know, knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the word for mystery in some English translations also, it's, it's secrets uh, of the kingdom of heaven. Well, what is that Greek word? The mysterion, okay, is the Greek word. Generally, when we translate the mysterion in the Greek, it is inexhaustible reality. Okay, this is what mystery means. Now, when we talk about mystery, I think this really touches all of us because we all like a good mystery. Mm -hmm. We all like a logical puzzle to solve or maybe a suspenseful kind of whodunit where we do a clever gathering and analyzing of clues. I mean, I'm a sucker for a good uh, masterpiece theater mystery, oh, BBC, right? <laughs> in fact, I've been watching Inspector Lewis and Inspector yes. Morris, and I'll actually hit the pause button about 20 minutes before it's over to try to figure it all out, right? Is this what our Lord is talking about? No. Something very different. That's a contemporary sense of mystery. What our Lord wants us to see is more about that classical sense, really the contemporary sense during his time. And so what is that? Well, if you get within the Greek word itself, Debbie, we can begin to discover and appreciate why he's talking the way he is, especially as it relates to parable. The Greek uh, mysterion, its, its prefix is myo, M-Y-E-O, and it literally means to initiate into a religious experience to initiate. Well, what is he initiating us into, right? But that more personal encounter with himself. And so he is disclosing uh, the secrets of God to those who are willing to be initiated into, right? Those who are willing to respond to that, come follow me. Now, we have this great theme within the Gospel of Matthew of the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven. And yes, we can talk about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven in this regal sense or regal context where we can talk about God's presence in the world, that through uh, the sacramental mystery of the church, the Lord is present concretely, historically, the Lord is in our midst. But the kingdom is first Jesus himself. One of the great church fathers, Origen, focused in on that piece, that before we talk about the kingdom of God 
as some sort of monarchical structure or something that is abstract. It's first and foremost Jesus himself. And then out from that, he talks about this more mystical component to it, which I think is very striking in light of our readings today, because really, when you look at that verse 11, this initiation into the mystery of the kingdom of God, what he's saying is that Jesus Christ has come to reveal himself to us, and in doing so, he draws us into the mystery of himself, the mystery that is the incarnation. Now, for all of that, Debbie, what's important for us is this is within the context of the kingdom of heaven parables, specifically the first parable. And the question is posed, why do you speak in parable? Well, what's a parable? You know, in the Greek, the parabola, it translates the Hebrew mashal in the Old Testament. Those were Old Testament riddles, you know, proverbs, um, illustrations with images. And those were often about human intelligence. Okay. But what did we just say about the nature of a mystery? Christ is less concerned with human intelligence and more concerned with that disposition of the Anawim we talked about last week, being made poor being bent over and ready to serve Jesus Christ. So it's not about human intelligence that you're going to be able to decode uh, this parable. It's really about being on bended knee. You know, parables are coded love letters from our Lord Jesus Christ. And at the same time, verbal strategies of grace that provoke the heart to go deeper. We hear a parable and we say, Debbie, okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you know, because he's going to draw from things that we can kind of get uh, our heads around, whether it be thorns, uh, weeds, wheat, uh, the sun. Yeah, these are images we can understand. At the same time, a parable always has a deeper truth. Is the uh, the prideful Pharisee going going to grab hold of that deeper truth, or is the one who is on bended knee going to grab hold of that deeper truth. Well, you and I both know it's the one on bended knee. Remember that seminal truth that comes to us from the temptation in the desert. Okay. There he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Satan is just waiting to pounce. Mm -hmm. He sees our Lord completely broken Mm -hmm. and he thinks it's time to seize him. Satan thinks he has him right where he wants him. But what he doesn't see is that this was all done so that he might see more clearly through his sonship. This is why fasting is so important, right? It purges our, our senses, it disciplines us so that we might see God more clearly. But Satan doesn't see that because Satan does not have access to wisdom. He is supremely intelligent, yes, but he is not wise. Parables are about not the intelligent, but the wise. Mm -hmm. And this is why he talks in parables. Because only those who are willing to surrender and who are eager, eager, Debbie, to go on bed and knee, are going to begin to understand the inner depth. Because only the one who initiates the mystery can reveal, right? Not some human intelligence. So this is why uh, wisdom is so important as we talk about uh, these sets of verses and why our Lord talks uh, as he does in parables. Yes, 
The illustrations, the images are important. They evangelize the imagination. They draw us in. But it doesn't stop there because within those parables, there's always a deeper truth. And that truth is only realized in the encounter. And that's at the heart of it, the encounter. Maybe our Lord kind of looks over at you and you look back, your eyes lock, and he has you. Then his commanding voice begins to speak and you draw closer and closer to him. This is the mysterion. This is the initiation. He's drawn you in to this personal encounter. Remember, mystery in its classical sense is this initiation into this religious experience or religious encounter with not something that is abstract, but someone who is real and true, and that's Jesus Christ. So beautifully put. Thank you so much for sharing that, Joe. You know, I... When you use that word religion, that word is just getting such a bad rap today, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like um, you use the word religion and all of a sudden everybody's ears close off. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I just recently had a discussion with a family member about just that. And, and (laughs) you know, oh, well, you know, that's because you're trapped in religion. Mm Mm-hmm. And this whole, this whole parable today is this invitation not to be little, like we talked about last week, to mm-hmm. be an anawim, to be poor in spirit. Mm-hmm. An invitation to littleness and wisdom and relationship and love. And what part of that is a bad thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, yeah. you know, yeah. as you re- and he really covers the basis here because he's saying, I want you to bear fruit. What, what good is a seed mm-hmm. if it gets gobbled up or withers away? Well, good. How are you going to be used in the world yeah. unless you bear fruit? Yeah, and even as, Debbie, you highlight this, this kind of dichotomy that's been created between religious and spiritual, because that's yes. what's happening. Are you yes. religious or are you or spiritual? Are you spiritual? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what, what are we really saying? What we're saying is to be religious is to be, now this is those out there who would say this, dogmatic. As opposed exactly. to being spiritual, you know, essentially someone who is, yeah, kind of loosey-goosey, or even someone who wants to privatize religion. But what does religion itself mean? Religion, really, gare, is the Latin. It means to belong to God, to belong to God, right? So what we're really saying is that by being religious, we belong to God. But being religious fundamentally is to be spiritual, and to be spiritual is fundamentally being religious by definition. I think the distinction... Well, there's something lost is one in a contemporary application means not to be a disciple and the other suggests to, to be a disciple. Because if you're religious, then you wear it more on your sleeve. I mean, that's, that is the perception. And so, well, you know, let it be the perception because the reality is, you know, I get the question asked a lot, well, Joe, isn't it enough to just be good? Okay, be good. Pope Francis says, be good. But... Our Lord calls us to be more than good in that sense. He calls us to be disciples, Debbie. And that's what lies at the heart of the gospel and this gospel, right? Are you going to bear fruit? Are you going to bear fruit? Because the spiritual, and I'm doing this in quotes right Mm -hmm. now, as we would see it today in its contemporary context, are those who Jesus is talking about will wither away. 
because ultimately it's not rooted in the reality of the gospel message, which is to become a disciple of Christ. And so what we're talking about here, Debbie, is the need to hear, as our Lord was speaking to us today, to hear what our Lord is actually saying. And by hearing, he means listening. Listening. (laughs) And for us, again, a distinction needs to be made. And this is what our Lord is saying. We can hear. You know, I can be across the room from someone who speaks Italian, and I can hear what he's saying. But I'm only going to really be able to listen to what he's saying if I understand Italian, if I really listen, if if I'm intently in tune to what he's saying. And really, this gets so much at the heart of the larger picture of faith, Debbie, because, you know, what is, what is Paul talking about in Romans 1.5 and in Romans 16.26 when he talks about the obedience of faith? He's translating the Old Testament vision of faith, fullness. Again, we never really see the word faith a lot in the Old Testament. It's faithfulness. The Hebrew word is emunah, okay? Paul is translating that. And the obedience of faith, really better translated, is the obedience that springs from faith. The word obedience, as we've noted on this program before, Debbie, is obadire, to listen, right? So we can only respond in faith if we're doing what? Hearing? Listening. Listening. Right? Listening. So what our Lord is calling us out on in today's gospel is this need to enter into this more dynamic Uh, listen, response, relationship with him, that we might, yes, go deeper in in our faith, to go deeper into that initiation, right, that our Lord is talking about in verse 11, so that we might be better equipped to respond more fully. It's, it, I think I probably say it once a week, Deb, that wonderful truth of being in God for other, right, new identity, new goal, to know him so as to make him known, to be refreshed in him and to be comforted by him so as to refresh and comfort others. This is what he's talking about. And this is what lies at the heart of our faith. So important. And yes, so important. And I was going to kind of expand on that even a little bit more and talk about you know, the difference in the hearing and the listening really has to do with our, our hearts mm-hmm. being open. You know how any of us who, like my little conversation with my family member, you can kind of look over there and see if their heart is open. Mm-hmm. Or if you're throwing pearls at swine, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Is he, he may be hearing words come out of my mouth, but is he listening? Does he have a heart open to receive? Yes. Or not? Yes. Amen. I want to uh, quote St. Cyprian. St. Cyprian of Carthage, he's an early church father, and he offers up a reflection on the relationship between prayer and the heart and the importance of hearing and listening. And this is what he has to say. The richly flowing spirit cannot be dammed up into a particular space by any barriers or limitations. It flows incessantly. It gushes with abundant fullness, but our heart must thirst after it and stand open to admit it. The more we bring to this fountain a faith ready to be filled, the more we will draw of its overflowing 
grace. Amen. If earthly and material goods are satisfying us, mm -hmm. that is not okay, Deb. And this is what we all are challenged with because sure. we all have that human concupiscent sense appetite. Mm -hmm. We constantly want to indulge ourselves. Sure. You know, we lust after material things. It's interesting. Our Lord, like a wonderful craftsman does, he employs certain language to provoke. So the word for those of the Old Testament were longing to see what you see and hear what you hear. The word for longing in the Greek is, it literally translated, I think the word is the epithmia, is to lust after something. And so what our Lord is saying is just after you lust after sensual pleasure, the prophets and the patriarchs, they were longing for God, yearning for God the same way. Right? And I think that grabs our attention because when we are intoxicated with lust, we have this kind of singular vision. We don't see anything outside of that. And what God is saying is the patriarchs and the prophets, they had this kind of laser-like focus, but it wasn't to feed the sense appetite. It was to feed the appetite that was about God. And behold, he is suddenly before you. And you don't see, you don't hear. Most striking. It's interesting. Matthew uh, Deb wants to deploy in his writing of this text musical language. Mm. If you go into the Greek, and this is just so fascinating, it has this kind of poetic rhythm in its alliteration, in its assonances. It's actually set up in kind of stanzas or couplets. And the idea is that this parable is like a musical note intonated with grace. In fact, the word for hearing is like this vibration in the soul. So those who have been made to be like the meek and humble of heart we were talking about last week, the Anawim, they will hear the word of God and it will vibrate in their soul. I love that image. Mm -hmm. I mean, does not Thomas Aquinas say the language of the soul is music, right? So this whole quality of vibration is something important for us to kind of reflect upon. Matthew wants us to see this. So when we hear the word of God, when it's planted deep in, in our soul and that soil is made ready through prayer, and through diligent reading of Scripture and, and what it means to be faithful to our Lord, our lives will become like a musical note. It's so striking what we can find uh, behind the, the Greek language. That's really beautiful. I, I had not heard that before. I wanted to talk just a little bit about what it... I, I, the great thing about the parables is... Jesus paints these beautiful word pictures mm -hmm. so that we can remember them. Mm -hmm. You know, he knows that's how we are. We can get this visual picture. So I w as I was praying with this scripture today, I was sitting in my living room and I was looking out at our palm trees that are in our front yard. Mm. And he kind of gave me this, this analogy of root systems and what they're like. And I had heard that a palm tree... The reason they grow so readily in the tropics is that they have to be so rooted. They, their root is as long as they are tall above mm. the ground, mm. which I did not know. Mm. And they have to be flexible 
so that they can bend with the tropical storms, with the hurricane. Mm. They will survive the most violent of storms. Mm. And I thought, wow, Lord, that's the kind of root system that you would like us to have, that we can weather and bend in any mm-hmm. storm, but we're so rooted in the word, mm-hmm. we're so rooted in love, we're so rooted in discipleship, that that storm we're able to bend mm-hmm. we're, we're without breaking. Yeah. We're yeah. able to just survive it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful image, Deb. And, and the idea there for me as I listen to you is, is what some of the, the church fathers would call holy flexibility, too. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to listen. Being able to engage, um, not being so rigid. You know, some of you, you were talking about spirits from religious earlier. Uh, some of the accusation towards those who are, are quote unquote religious, and I believe this to be an untruth, are too rigid. Well, so, okay, some of us might be stuck in our ways. We all have work to do, right? We all have work to do. Yeah. But to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ is one who is able to listen, to engage the dialogue to be flexible, Mm -hmm. not negotiating, you know, core principles of truth. No, but just to be able to be patient. The the passage from 1 Peter 3 that talks about bearing witness to the hope that is inside of you and do it in reverence and humility, the Latin word for reverence is one who can listen. Now, one who can listen. We've already talked about the obedience of faith to listen. So listening is very, very important. Being flexible, engaging. If we're too rigid, then the conversation will never evolve. The dialogue will never evolve. And what I'm talking about right now is certainly with our Christian brothers and sisters in Christ and just being able to explore the faith and those conversations not being a point-counterpoint, punch-counterpunch, but something that is open to truth. We're rooted underneath. We're rooted in the faith, yes, but at the same time, we're flexible. We're willing to take a step back and just give it time. Right. Because God does everything in that, in that patience. Because isn't discipleship about love? It's about listening. It's about walking. It's about suffering. It's mm-hmm. about all those things. So if we come to one of our brothers and sisters in Christ and we're confrontational and we're arrogant, how far is that, is that Christ-like? Mm-hmm. No. Who are you discipling there? That's right. That's right. You aren't going to get very far, That's and your right. fruit will be bitter. Yeah. And yeah. he doesn't need any more bitter fruit. Mm-mm. He needs sweet fruit, fruit that's going to draw in, mm-hmm. um, fruit that's going to produce more fruit. Yep. That's, uh, that's our new life in Christ. That's our baptismal call to go forth, to go forth to our brothers and sisters and be a witness of Christ. When we say the word Christian, we're putting on the name of Christ, mm-hmm. and that has a big responsibility, at least in in the church's eyes. I Amen. Amen. Absolutely, Deb. And, you know, I think with those thoughts, we'll wrap up in prayer. And certainly, I want to encourage our listening audience to go back to these verses and to really spend some time and let those uh, three pieces that our Lord gives us and and he explains this is the only time he explains Mm -hmm. a parable Debbie we didn't really get into this a whole lot but he explains the parable let our Lord speak to you Mm -hmm. I mean we are human we are vested with the flesh we have shortcomings be humble and let our Lord speak to you I really want to encourage our listening audience with that um, this evening thanks again for the gift of your time Deb I appreciate it 
always. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.